We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Ace is a place with the helpful hardware, folks. At Ace, your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by NoHalftime.com. Derek Van Riper joined today by Nick Whalen. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or any other platform where you could leave us a five-star or 10 points or 100 points sort of review, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, we've got week two to look back at. One Monday night game still, of course, on the slate. But Nick, let's start about 
uh, a couple things. I've seen I've seen the weekend uh, go down a few different ways. I've seen the weekend go down mostly as its appointment for everybody, except for the contrarians. There was an industry guy who won the Millionaire Maker, Al Zeidenfeld. Nice guy. I met him at the FSTA conference uh, a year ago. He works with ESPN. I think he's been with Roto Grinders for a while as well. Uh, so it's second time I believe an industry guy has won the Millionaire Maker. Huh. Drew uh, Drew Dinkmeyer won it. Want to say was it last year? It was two years ago now. So. We are seeing industry players have success even in those big field uh, GPPs. So my weekend wasn't quite as good as Al's, to uh, no, put it mildly. No, did not win a million dollars. Yeah, he's, he's not the guy that's always screenshotting his wins, but he, right. he, he prefaced it by saying, hey, this is kind of a special occasion, and sent the screenshot. It was like $1.15 million. Yeah. Like, I think you retweeted that. I was wondering if that was real or not. It, it definitely was. Yeah, huh. yeah he, he definitely brought it home. So congrats it, to Al for, for doing that because that's – you would know better than me on this, and we, we'll keep this discussion fairly brief. Is there any brushback as far as you know an industry guy winning something like this? No. Not that there's any inherent advantage necessarily, but I, you could see how it might be perceived that way. No, because I don't think... I don't think the casual player, anyway, is even familiar with who the industry guys right, are. I think true, they don't yeah. care; they just play. And if Matthew Barry wins it, then maybe that would that would draw extra <laughs> attention because he's he's right. the only industry guy that the average fantasy player exactly. is even aware of. Like he's the only one that exists in the eyes of, of many, right. even though there's a lot of us out here uh, putting in the time. But all right, so here's what I saw this weekend. I, I did not see a 1.15 million dollar winning in no. my uh, in my account, but, but but I saw a Brian Brom jersey. This weekend, I oh, went wow. to um, a festival in Cedarburg, Wisconsin. My wife wanted to go check it out, so we went. And that was the highlight of the festival for me until I saw a ham's goblet on the shelf in one of the many antique stores there. It's and one of the things. they for how much? Uh, it was available for thirteen dollars. Uh, that's a little much. It was, it was thirteen bucks. It was a good sized goblet. I mean, right. it was probably the biggest Ham's glass I saw. Most of the Ham's glasses, I don't know if you've ever seen any of these like floating around like old stores. No, I, I always check the the Riley's Liquor downtown has a nice selection of kind of vintagey type of glasses, but never any Ham's. So pours of beer used to be a lot smaller. They used to be like eight ounces, like those like Ugh. little hourglass things. And a lot of the Ham's glasses I've seen are like six or eight ounces and i figured you wouldn't even want no. that i almost no. picked up the goblet for you and i thought this will probably be here next time i make a trip so i figured i'd consult you yeah. first before just dumping a goblet on right. your desk and be like here you That's go a man a lot of pressure mm-hmm. and it's i mean it's it was pretty heavily was, used was a brian brom jersey packers or please tell me it wasn't louisville no it was packers okay. it was stitched on numbers too so it was was it brian brom himself no, no his dad it, or something maybe. No, I didn't. No, this guy did not have the look uh, genetically of being the father of an NFL player. I didn't see any great jerseys this weekend, and you know I'm always on high alert. Um, I did wear my Byron Leftwich jersey for the first half of the Jaguars game, and then I took it off as kind of a symbol of protest in a rage. Right. Well, not even in a rage, in like a rage of sadness. You know, I just kind of wandered into my room, switched it. I actually put on a RotoWire shirt. Um, a little more comfortable, a little more not not fashionable, I guess. Um, but I, you know, I had to leave the house at that point, and basically, it was not a good time to be wearing a Byron Leftwich jersey as the team was down twenty-eight to zero. Rough week for the Jags. We'll get to that in just a little while. Wasn't much better for the Packers. We'll start with no. the Vikings-Packers game uh, because the biggest injury of the week, perhaps, is going to be Adrian Peterson. 12 carries, 19 yards. Offensive line in front of him was not playing well. Pass protection wasn't very good either. But Sam Bradford had a good game, mostly because Stephon Diggs simply could not be covered in this one. But with AP, MRI scheduled for today. It's a knee injury. Severity, of course, to be determined. 
We're looking at Matt Asiata versus Jarek McKinnon as a thing again, and McKinnon really didn't touch the ball much last night. I think the offensive complexion is going to change without Adrian Peterson. They're not going to try to run it as much. They may have to use dump-offs and screen passes as a way of alleviating some pressure caused by the lack of a quality offensive line. Like You might see McKinnon pick up a decent amount of value in PPR leagues even if Matt Asiata gets short yardage carries and perhaps a, a larger volume of touches between the 20s than many, many of us would want to see. I mean, we still don't know, you know what the situation is going to be with Adrian Peterson. I, I think it looked maybe a little worse than, it, than it'll end up being. It depends how much stock you put into his wife uh, telling the media on Monday morning that he's already walking and it, and it doesn't seem all that bad. You can I mean, walk we'll with a out. torn ACL. Right. Like, so that's, I, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting he has a torn ACL, no, but no. You, I mean, People and players and athletes and non-athletes yeah. walk with ACL tears all the time. Like right. After they happen, like 30 minutes, an hour after they happen, even guys are walking around. I mean, right. Giovanni Gallardo, years ago, tore his ACL in a game against the Cubs, finished the inning in which he was yeah. pitching, and then walked off the mound. And you thought, okay, maybe he just sprained something really badly. And clearly, right. it was a lot worse. He missed like 25 starts after that. But anyway, the bottom line is Adrian Peterson probably going to miss some time. And the Vikings' backfield, if available on the waiver wire, could mm-hmm. be a source of value as we look ahead to Week 3. But the big story for me in this game is the Packers' offense still doesn't look right. Part of it yesterday, Aaron Rodgers just had something that was off. The Vikings mm-hmm. have, are good defense. They are. They've got talent on that side of the ball. They've got a strong pass rush. The pocket was collapsing on Rodgers a lot. The receivers just weren't getting separation. And he was missing on throws, which yeah. is pretty rare. So maybe it's just an off night for Rodgers against a quality defense. But it just seems like the receivers aren't finding separation anywhere. Jordy Nelson, five catches, 73 yards, and a score. Randall Cobb, five for 42, and really didn't get much downfield, which is becoming a concern because Rodgers finished this game with a 5.9 YPA. He was sacked five times, picked off once, had a couple fumbles. It just seemed like he wasn't taking care of the ball, which is usually Mm -hmm. his top priority. Right. I mean, just just one completion of more than 20 yards. That one went to to Jordy Nelson, a 39-yarder. I, there still seems to be that reluctance on Rodgers' part to throw downfield. And like you said, the lack of separation has been a big part of it. You know, it seems there were, what, two or three times at least last night where he, he either took a hit or took a sack because it seemed like he was holding on to the ball too long. You know, Part of that maybe is the, the reluctance of Rodgers to take chances, but the other part of it is when your deep threat is you know, Devontae Adams, a guy who you really can't depend upon to, to get separation, let alone make a tough catch. Um, you know, it this just, just looks very much like the Packers offense did in 2015. Even having Nelson back hasn't seemed to change that. As far as the Packers running game goes, Jordy Nelson, or I should say Eddie Lacy, not really getting much going. It's been, it's been a rough morning, as you can tell. Not really getting a lot going in part because he didn't get that much volume. He had no. a couple interesting runs, but on other plays, there was fine. nowhere just, to go. Yeah, I mean, the way the game went, they, they just couldn't give him the volume. I think they probably would have wanted I mean, 4.2 yards per carry is all right. Um, just doesn't, I mean, even with the alleged weight loss, which I'm a little bit skeptical of, he's still not that home run threat. You know, I I mean, if you're going to get 10, 11 yards on an Eddie Lacy carry, I think that's, that's what you can expect. He's not a guy that's going to break through the secondary and and give you, you know, those 20, 30 yard runs. Right. Like that's, that's still, that's still like the long range for me. He looks a little faster than last year. Once he gets into space, still strong, still breaking. I mean, he still had a couple runs last night where, you know, most running backs gain two or three yards. He's able to push forward and get six or seven. Right. Still a a positive, I think at the position, I think he was fine, but not not quite the player you were hoping for, even as a third-round yeah. pick. Jared Cook first looked two all weeks. right. Yeah, he looked there. If you want to really mine for some positives, 
Yeah, I don't. Let's move on to the Patriots and Dolphins. Patriots 31-24 winners. Jimmy Garoppolo is tearing it up before getting hurt in this one. He's not expected to play at all in week three. Maybe will be healthy enough to back up Jacoby Brissett. It's a short week. Patriots playing on Thursday. Again, part of the reason why I'm not expecting much from the Patriots in this game is that they're not going to have Rob Gronkowski out there. So it's probably going to be more of the same now with Brissett at quarterback who in fairness didn't look bad after taking over, wasn't asked to do a lot because he was protecting a big lead, but maybe a guy that's worth streaming in two quarterback leagues for a matchup against Houston, except for the fact that Houston looked really good against Kansas City and is probably one of the top five, top six Mm -hmm. defenses in the league. Yeah, I think Brissett looked fine. I, I probably would avoid him in two QB leagues just because we don't know how this playbook is going to look. I mean, obviously they scaled it back so much once he came into the game um, with the lead that New England had. But I think there's a lot to like about LeGarrette Blunt next week, 20, 29 carries in this one, 123 yards, and did get into the end zone as well. But it, it's going to be interesting to see how this New England team now plays, even if it is for only a week under Brissett. I mean, I think if it's any other team and they're going up against 2-0 and Houston, you probably write him off, but with New England, I mean, the expectation for me is they're going to find a way to just stay into that game. We got to we got to sort this out. Jacoby Brissett or Jacoby Brissett? Really? I, I think th- it's Brissett. I why? don't know if I'm right or not. Why, I mean, why Brissett? Why, why do you think that? Because there's two T's on the end. Uh, like Bassett Street, like Brissett, like Bassett. Not Bassett. I don't know. We got to get a pronunciation. I, that's outrageous. Can we just call Jacoby. You could you could tweet at him, like, bro, how do you pronounce hey, your name? I, I think it's Jacoby Brissett, but whatever. Moving on to some other matters in this game. Danny Amendola scoring twice, something I didn't expect to see. I, I had mm-hmm. Chris Hogan going in a couple leagues. Uh, didn't get much from Hogan. He's targeted enough to be useful, but the fact that Amendola scored twice is only going to throw another wrench into the plans of owners, not only on the waiver wire, but perhaps with lineup decisions in Week 3 because I think people are going to chase that 2-TD game. When with Amendola... Like we're seeing with the Patriots' secondary pass-catching options, especially without Tom Brady, it's going to be wildly unpredictable as to who steps up. Martellus Bennett looked much better in Week 2 than he did in Week 1. He looked like a proper replacement for Gronk, which could be the case again Thursday. But again, I I wonder if that Patriots-Texans game is going to be one of those grinded-out sort of things, like a 17-13, 21-20, just kind yeah, of I mean, like a closer The Texans' offense isn't under. all that great. Well, and, they, that, and they want to run. I mean, we saw, we saw a lot of Lamar Miller again this week. Mm-hmm. We're probably going to see a lot of Lamar Miller again in week three. I just I don't know if either one of these teams can be explosive in their current states against the other's defense. I think maybe Houston later in the year, once they still get a little bit more continuity under Brock Osweiler, maybe they become a little bit more explosive. But I think they're fine right now to win games 21-14 to 14 or 27-14 to 14 or whatever it might be. I don't think they see themselves as needing to get you know, to 30 points to, to win most of their games. What do you make of the Dolphins rallying back in the second half? I mean, you think that yeah. shows any sign of, of talent or Ryan Tannehill maybe being viable? I mean, or is I mean, just the numbers case, look good for Tannehill? The numbers all look good in the end. I mean, Jarvis Landry, 10 for 137. Devontae Parker, 8 for 106. Jordan Cameron scored. Kenny Stills scored. The running game obviously was mm-hmm. abandoned in part because Arian Foster was hurt, left the game with a groin injury. Right. But... Also, it was 24-3 at the half, right. so running the ball wasn't really an option after the break. I don't know if they can even run the ball. I mean, they really haven't shown many signs of being able to do that through the first two weeks. And like you said, the Foster injury certainly contributes to that. But I think the most encouraging thing for me is Devontae Parker. Didn't play in week one, was you know pretty much questionable up until kickoff for this game. And he comes out and, and looks like a true, you know, maybe number 1A type of receiver for this team. And, and really showing that both him and Landry can be productive. That said... 
Tannehill threw the ball 45 times, and ideally you're probably not going to have him chucking it that many times on most days. I really thought you were going to say true American. I have no idea oh, why. No. Probably just because of the, the new girl just yeah, being is on that, the brain. Is that back now this week? Is it season six time? Is that what it is? Or Whatever the, the end of season, season five? I don't know. One of, one of my buddies was just talking about that this weekend. I think it's back tomorrow night. I started watching season five not that long ago, and it wasn't as good as previous seasons, so I kind of just circled back to some episodes I really liked. And maybe when five is on Netflix, yeah. I'll get into it again. But, yeah, I wasn't really feeling it. They had some goofy storylines. and right. Shows sometimes just run – comedy shows in particular, I feel like they run two and three seasons yep. too long, and I'm, I'm worried that that show – I think It's Always Sunny is in that zone for me right now too, where you just you just kind of run out of ideas. I and mean, The Office, which you know is maybe my all-time favorite show, yeah. even after – like once, you, once they started the cycle of like kind of celebrity guest bosses, you know, after Michael oh, departed. Oh, yeah, Will Ferrell and Kathy right. Bates. I mean, it was, there were was some gem no. episodes in there, but, you know, I think – you just kind of run out of ideas. That show that show peaked probably in season two. Season three was still good, and then it started to really mm-hmm. go into decline. As soon as Jim and Pam got married, yes, it was that was season the turning four. Point, actually, yeah, that's when the show ended. That's right. when the show to me. I think there, there were still some down. good episodes, but yeah, it not as consistent. Yeah, same um, same thing with New Girl. I think it's, it's right. had three good seasons out of four in the first four, and then it's just starting to fade. We have an update on the Jacoby Brissett pronunciation. According to the University of Florida pronunciation guide, it is in fact Brissett. No, it, it, I'm refusing. I mean, refusing that pronunciation. That's your right. That's your right to refusal. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm going to stick with that. Broncos 34, Colts 20. Dante Moncrief leaving this game early with a shoulder injury. Uh, it was the first quarter, in fact, and that doesn't set up well for the Colts because it means extra attention for T.Y. Hilton. Uh, Dante Moncrief will have an MRI on Monday for that injury. We'll see if we get those results before we're done recording. Andrew Luck finished 21 of 40 for 197, had a TD, but he was picked off once. He was sacked five times. I believe there was a fumble that was returned for a TD as well. Denver's defense kind of stepping up and the Colts don't have a good offensive line, which I think means that in a matchup like this, Andrew Luck has almost no chance of having a big day because mm-hmm. the line in front of him will be exposed, especially by a top-end defense. Yeah, I think this one went just about as, as most people expected. I mean, the, the Colts' offense showed signs. They were really in this game uh, until the end. The score's a little bit uh, wider margin than, than it actually was, but pick six for Andrew Luck in this one to Aqib Tlaib. I, I believe I read he now is the fourth, fourth most pick sixes in, in the NFL history. I think he has like nine. That sounds it's a right. Crazy high number, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, it's kind of surprising that that's only fourth most. But so good for Akeem Talib. Um, but this Indianapolis team still somewhat in shambles. I mean, basically Andrew Luck completing fifty percent of his passes, like you said, sacked five times, which going up against Denver, I guess, maybe isn't much of a surprise. But it's hard to get excited about really anything that's going on with that Colts offensive line. Yeah, it really is. The other receivers didn't do much. T.Y. Hilton heavily targeted, yep. but not very productive. Uh, Philip Dorsett didn't do much, like one catch, I think, on five yeah. targets. The The problem I'm seeing with the Colts, though, and, and maybe it's a blip on the radar looking at these first two games and then compared to everything else going forward, but Jack Doyle didn't just disappear. Like He did enough to where if you're a Dwayne Allen owner, more so than the tough matchup being a problem this week, the fact that Doyle is still getting some targets I think bodes poorly for Allen because they may have to use two tight end sets a lot, and because Allen's a good blocker, that may chip away at his targets. Yeah, I mean, we saw it in this one. Five targets to Doyle and, and only four to Dwayne Allen, uh, and Doyle was able to bring in four of his. So I'm, I'm not extremely worried, I guess, if I'm a Dwayne Allen owner. I don't really love either of these options, but 
Um, you know, the way it's gone through the first two weeks, it's, it's hard not to believe that Doyle's you know, not going to be a part of this passing game. Demarius Thomas had five catches for 90 yards on seven targets. I was concerned about him with the hip injury. He kind of did what I thought Emmanuel Sanders would do in this matchup. Yeah. Sanders was pretty quiet on a day where Trevor Simeon finished 22 of 33 for 266. That's 8.1 yards per attempt. Uh, no TDs. He was picked off once by that Colts defense, but that's probably good enough this for is him to be, keep the yeah. job if he, can go, if he can go 22 of 33, uh, I think that the Broncos will take that every week. Capri Bibbs got a carry. Yeah. Seven yards. Seven yards scamper for Capri Bibbs. Hot tub uh, lover. Hot tub Capri enthusiast. Bibbs. Noted hot fellow, tub enthusiast. Fellow hot yep. tub enthusiast for mm-hmm. you. Uh, Devontae Booker actually ran pretty well when called upon in this one. Nine carries, 46 yards, uh, 5.1 yards per carry. Behind C.J. Anderson, 20 for 74, 3.7 yards a pop. TD also caught three passes for 19 yards. So not a bad day for Anderson, but not quite the uh, explosive performance I was expecting after the Colts were simply run all over on by the Lions. Yeah, he had his moments in this one, but really didn't do much out of the backfield in the passing game. But 74 yards and a touchdown, I think you'll take it. Definitely happy if you're a C.J. Anderson owner, just not the push you were looking for if you threw him out there in daily. In the most Jeff Fisher manner possible, the Rams come out week two winners, 9-3 over the Seahawks, uglier than I even would have expected. I thought in this win it would be... Tavon Austin with a special teams TD and like Todd Gurley with like a long run or like a weird Kenny Britt long yeah. catch on a broken play. They found a way to do Basically it. Basically a technicality. Techn- technically the Rams won this game. Right. Nobody should have won. I mean this was a no. this game was disgusting. Would anybody have been upset if they just called it? Yeah, if they just canceled I mean, didn't, it. Didn't Clemson do that this weekend? They were up they were up on like South Carolina State and agreed to shorten the second half. Or do they play like a running clock like they do in high school? Something like they, they either did that or they just played like a like a seven minute fourth quarter or something like some something happened where they shortened the game and I think that would have been fine in this scenario too. just just to avoid the injuries. I mean, if, you, if you're South right. Carolina State in that matchup, you don't want all your key guys to get destroyed by bigger, right. faster players. Yeah, there was some a great quote, a uh, great quote, uh, quote I should say from the South Carolina State coach. Uh, I don't have it up right now, but basically he said, "We just want to get in there, get out of there, take the loss, have nobody get hurt, nobody and, get, and get the up. money, like, and, and, the and, money, and take right. take our check and I think leave." They got two hundred fifty grand. Not a bad payday. I would gladly go lose for certain piles know, of money, though. but the downside of that is that you are putting players at, at risk, right? Like players right. can suffer life-altering injuries. Not necessarily, I mean, life-threatening is possible, but just life-altering, right? Like players could... Confidence-altering injuries. Yeah, those, those, those are a certainty. But, yeah. I mean, you are, like, risking the health and well-being the of thing, players yeah. at the expense of... A, a nice payday for like the people at the top, but of course zero for the players. Well, those schools so. need that though. I mean, that probably funds half their athletic budget. Right. It's it's like a necessary evil in, mm-hmm. in, in the NCAA ecosystem. It just yeah. I don't know. It just feels the wrong. Big Ten is done with that now, right? No more FCS teams. I think so. I think although could, Iowa it, somehow got maybe this North Dakota State game. Was well, North, North Dakota State's kind of legit. Yeah, though. they're so. kind of like they're turning into like a mini Boise State. Yeah, maybe maybe they will eventually make that leap. I think they have point. to at some point. Yeah. But the highlights of this game, they are few and far between. Doug yeah. Baldwin hurt his knee. I think he referred to his knee as jacked up, which is... Is that a good thing? Not good. No, he's scheduled for an MRI. MRI Monday. Everybody's sure. having an MRI. Thomas Rawls suffered a leg contusion. Seven carries for minus seven yards. Kristen Michael, 10 for 60. So perhaps Michael sure. gets the bulk of the carries in week three. We'll see if Pete Carroll sheds some light on that. I mentioned Todd Gurley before. 19 carries for 51 yards. Caught a pass for 19 yards. If he'd scored, that'd be no concern. He didn't, and now there is. And 
I don't think it's warranted because Case Keenum had a higher YPA than Russell Wilson in this game. So maybe maybe the light bulb has turned on for this Rams offense, yeah. and we're finally going to see good Todd Gurley in Week 3. Yeah, I mean, at least they were able to move the ball somewhat through the air. I think it would, uh, on Monday night last week, it was about as discouraging of a performance as it gets, but Keenum at least looked borderline competent in this one. I wasn't really surprised to see Russell Wilson struggle. We talked about this last week, especially with the ankle uh, and the trouble that this Rams defense always seems to give him. They were able to keep him upright. He's only sacked twice, sacked 10 times in two meetings with the Rams last season, so that really wasn't the issue. But, I mean, are you worried about the Seattle offense after putting up a combined 15 points through the first two games? I think it's hard not to be. I'm worried about them because I think Doug Baldwin's actually a really important Mm -hmm. piece of their offense. Maybe the uh, health of Jimmy Graham is on the rise, 3 for 42 on four targets. Tyler Lockett, 4 for 99 on four targets. I just don't like the way they're built right now. I am concerned, and Wilson's banged up too, so that could be a factor. But he was only sacked twice. Yeah. The, the Rams sacked him five or, or six times in one of the meetings last year. I four in the two games last year. Yeah, so I guess that's an improvement. But maybe that's a scheme adjustment. Maybe he's getting yeah. rid of the ball quicker. I mean, I just I don't really know what to make of Seattle right now. Slow start last year, and then they were on yeah. fire on the stretch. So I don't think you want to write them off just yet. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to get Mike Doria, I think, to add jacked up to the injury database on the website now. Yeah, I hope we can get that included for uh, future injuries. Steelers 24, Bengals 16, D'Angelo Williams grinding this one out. 32 carries, 94 yards. running back maybe ever. Maybe. Four catches, 38 yards, and a TD, and uh, an Instagram post, I believe, for fantasy owners out there. Yeah, he's been great on social media. Not a guy that you really heard too much from you know, before these last couple of years, but developing into a, a social media star. I like that. Antonio Brown, how about four catches for 39 yards and 11 targets on a day where uh, A.J. Green was also quiet, yep. two for 38 on eight targets. Top wideouts disappointing mm-hmm. in this matchup because Jesse James and Xavier Grimble had sure. TDs. We saw long catches, two long catches. From Sammy Coates, he added it all up. Ben Roethlisberger was 19 of 37 for 259, three TDs and two picks. Pretty nice game from Andy Dalton yardage-wise, which is surprising with A.J. Green being that quiet in part because Gio Bernard had nine catches for 100 yards and a TD. He was 5 for 17 on the ground. Not much from Jeremy Hill in this one. 59 yards from scrimmage on 14 touches and no TDs. So, I mean, you see Tyler Boyd get involved? Tyler Boyd more involved than Brandon LaFell in terms of the output, so that kind of flipped from week yep. one. I was nervous about the way Boyd was used uh, in the opener. This certainly nudges him back into that consideration. For Did like, lose a fumble, a pretty costly fumble in this one. Yeah. It'll happen. He's like, he's like a fringe flex wide receiver three well, if, if you've you got, got injuries. Well, if you Grimble now, I think you can probably just say goodbye to Boyd. Right. Grimble's the guy that you— Where were you drafting Grimble? How high? Like eighth round. I think I had to pay up. I got him in the second in a couple of my drafts, but which is fine. Well, they paid off yeah. this week. Titans 16, Lions 15. Is the Titans defense good? Because they Apparently kept Adrian Peterson in check uh, in week one. Lions, they're not really trying to run the ball as much. Amir Abdullah got hurt. He was in a walking boot after the game, only six carries before he left. But Golden Tate was a ghost in this one. There was no sign of Golden Tate whatsoever. And Marvin Jones looked like the number one receiver this yeah. week. I mean, like, that's to me, that's a pretty impressive performance for the Titans going on the road, right. keeping Matthew Stafford in this passing game quiet and not getting gashed by Abdullah before his early exit. Yeah, weird game from, Gold, from Golden Tate, just two catches, 13 yards. We did have nine targets. I think if you want to look on the positive side there, I, I guess you have to give your hat or t- tip your hat to the Titans defense, you know, breaking up seven of those attempts. But yeah, like you said, Marvin Jones, eight receptions on 11 targets for 118 yards. 
I mean, losing Abdullah, I think they they pretty much just had to abandon the ground game for the most part. Tried to get Theo Riddick going in the second half. He really wasn't able to get too much going at all. But I don't know what to make of this Detroit team. I didn't think they were very good coming into the season. They put up 35 points in week one against the Colts and then come back against what is a decent Titans defense, but not one that I think we thought was was maybe going to be this good. Right. I, I think... It's one of the storylines in these first two weeks that most people aren't going to talk about that is worth paying attention to because they're going to have some matchups against struggling offenses that you, you may want to stream them as a viable yeah. fantasy defense against uh, four sacks of Stafford, the one pick. So maybe there is something there in Tennessee. Delaney Walker, six for 83 and a score on six targets. DeMarco Murray, 145 yards from scrimmage, 19 touches in total. Derek Henry looked better, nine for 40 on the ground. Tajay Sharp kind of quiet in this one. Seven targets, but just four for 33. And Andre Johnson vulturing a TD late. Yep. I got a nice c- catch, too. A vintage Andre Johnson. The only, he was targeted twice. The only yeah. catch he had in this game was a TD. Probably should have been picked, really, but it was, it was a great individual effort by him. Well, they, good for him to keep yeah. it going, I guess. And you mentioned Theo Riddick. 11 carries for Theo Riddick is... Two weeks in a row, he's had more carries than expected because I guess they don't really have a, a quality backup running yeah. back. Dwayne Washington, I thought, was a short yardage guy based on how they used him at the goal line in week one. He had four carries for 31 yards. So we'll see what happens over the course of the week. If Abdullah's forced to miss time, maybe we'll see some Zach Zenner in yeah. week three. I mean, we might just see Matthew Stafford read option. I mean, we, you saw the truck stick probably and then the first half of that game. He had a 24-yard run, which I would assume has to be by far the longest of his career. A run or a rumble? Rumble, definitely a rumble. Yeah, not not um, maybe maybe time to break out like a bowling ball type of analogy. Those are usually reserved for Mike Tolbert. Yeah, well, he's he's almost more than a bowling ball. Maurice Jones Drew was the bowling ball. That's true. I, I compare Mike Tolbert to a, a bookshelf, like an IKEA bookshelf. Yeah, but more sturdily built, I think. Uh, you can get a decent. You, not, I think more not, like, not like the like bottom a line. Truck. Like he's not a semi, but he's he's like a like a. UPS truck, maybe you got to you got to get the Flurg bookshelf. That's the good one. Uh, the what? The Flurg, not the Glurg. The Glurg is the cheap one. The Flurg is the Tolbert, like the more sturdy Flurg. IKEA bookshelf. Yeah, Flurg, like F L U with the dots above it. R G Flurg. Ravens twenty five, Browns twenty. Josh McCowan headed for an MRI on Monday. It's MRI Monday after all. He might miss some time, which means Cody Kessler might be taking over at quarterback for the Browns. Oh, Browns! I mean, once you get Josh Gordon back. That could actually be a sneaky DFS play or two-quarterback league play. But I would be worried about weeks three and four with Kessler at the very least because this is a, a good supporting cast at wide receiver right now or maybe a good one, but it's not a great one. And Kessler's lack of experience could be very problematic, at least in the short term. I mean, Hugh Jackson really getting tested, losing a quarterback in each of the first two games. Things aren't going to be any easier because the Browns go on the road to Miami. I think Miami had the toughest schedule in the first two weeks going at Seattle, at New England to kick things off. So the Dolphins are going to be hungry to kind of break that cycle and get that first win in week three. Yeah, I mean, the Browns were up 20 to 2 in this game. Um, I I had the Ravens just about everywhere in Pick'em Leagues and and Survivor. So I was a little bit nervous. But I mean, this is just such a Browns way for this to go down. Like, as soon as I think the the Ravens had it back to 22, or excuse me, 19 to 20 going into the fourth quarter. And at that point, you just knew there was no way that Cleveland was going to pull it out. And I don't know what to expect from Cody Kessler. It's not going to be good. Uh, I mean, Josh McCown gave them a pretty decent effort in this one. Two touchdowns, did throw two picks that, that ended up being pretty costly. But I mean, do you maybe start like an Isaiah Crowell who had a nice game a little bit more, assuming that they're not just going to have Cody Kessler airing it out? 
I think Crowell's volume looks safe. 18-3 yeah. to three carry edge over Duke Johnson. Duke I really like Duke Johnson been coming into the year, but it's been... They just don't like him as a runner, I yeah. guess, which... Weird. I, he's, he's a borderline, like, he's a cut, like, from 10-teamers, 12-teamers. Yeah. Maybe you wait it out a bit because if Crowell were to get hurt, Duke would just be the guy, and he, he's showing he can catch passes, 4 for 44 mm-hmm. as a pass catcher. I think with Kessler, especially, we're going to see even more Barnage and more Duke Johnson as pass catchers than we saw in yep. week two with Josh McCowan, but further details on McCowan to come. Ravens running game, still a mess. Terrence West, 11 yeah. carries, 42 yards. Justin Forsett, 14 for 37. And this should have been a good spot for both to be productive. Yeah. I think what this means is that once Kenneth Dixon is healthy, whether that's week seven, week eight, week nine, whatever, second half of the season especially, Kenneth Dixon's going to get an opportunity because neither of these two right. backs looks like a starting caliber running back right now. Yeah, I, I don't know... You know, certainly shouldn't be jumping out to go get Kenneth Dixon, but like you said, unless something changes over the next five or six weeks, there's really no reason that they wouldn't give him a shot. Uh, Dennis Pitta, over 100 yards in this game, hasn't played more than four games since 2012. Good to see him back in action. 12 targets, and if you are hurting at tight end, I can't believe I'm going to say this. He might actually be an I option. Mean, he was really good when he before he just like annihilated his hip, right? That's what. Yeah, was, I just yeah. thought he was done because of the severity well, of his injuries. Didn't, yeah, didn't play at all. Was wasn't even really with the team. I don't think for much of 2015. Only played three games in 2014. Only four games in 2013. But pretty incredible to be able to come back after that. I would have thought Pitta's line and target volume would have been Mike Wallace's line right. with Wallace taking those two TDs to that spot. Nine for 102 and two TDs for Wallace would have made sense. He said four for 41, two TDs on six targets. Mm-hmm. Steve Smith targeted six times as well. Corey Coleman had a big game for the yeah, Browns, by the way, which it's only disappointing because the McCowan injury makes you rethink it again. You know, I like what I saw. Five yeah. for 104, two TDs, eight targets. I just don't know what that Browns offense is going to look like in week three. And if you have Coleman, you have to weigh those alternatives very carefully because it may be a really ugly week three for the Cleveland offense. I I feel bad for Browns fans. They deserve better. I I mean, as a Jags fan, you know. Well, yeah, yeah, but like Jags, Bills, Browns, like you guys are like mostly good fans that root for those teams. You guys all deserve better, I guess. I mean, like my one of my roommates is a huge, huge Packers fan, so he came home last night uh, after watching the game, just inconsolable. Like, didn't want to talk, you know, just couldn't couldn't handle the loss. I'm like, this has been every week for me for the last eight years. Like, obviously, you just get you kind of get pounded into you at some point, but. Yeah, I'm not not saying Packers fans are spoiled by any means. But, no, no, they are. They are though. Like we've talked about this before, right, like, in like a lovable way though. Packers fans are like a slightly more lovable version of the St. Louis Cardinals fans. Yeah. Like that's that's coming from me, who mm-hmm. is a Packer fan. And it's like anytime something isn't right, the sky is falling. Right. It's like Aaron like, Rodgers. I would love to lose by three to the, or lose by four, whatever it was. To the yeah, Vikings. lose by three on the road to a team that won the division last yeah. year on the night they opened the new stadium and you fumbled <laughs> four times. Like yeah. To even be in that game is right. ridiculous, and you did it without your top corner, uh, who obviously you're getting torched by Stephon Diggs. But bottom line is, <laughs> someone in the office said this morning that the Packers, Aaron Rodgers has gone like 15 games in a row now with a passer rating yeah. below 100. It's yeah, like, right? <laughs> like, oh, okay. So the bar of 100, which is yeah. insane for passer rating, right. he's missed that 15 games in a row. 13 mm-hmm. of those games were without Jordy Nelson on the field, so... That was a factor, and Devontae Adams was hurt, and Cobb was hurt for a bunch of those games, Like even though they played. I just – stop being spoiled, Packer fans. Like it, Most teams – most fans suffer so much more than Packers fans suffer, mm-hmm. even in brief 
stretches for a season. Yeah, I saw that pack, or that Rodgers uh, passer rating stat, too, and kind of chuckled at that last night. But a little more concerning to me is he's now gone 11 straight games under 300 yards passing. Part of that's the balance of the offense, True. the way they take shots downfield, and how, how limited that is, and the fact that they didn't... I don't know. Like stats, stats can be misleading. I think the bigger problem right now is that you didn't see a lot of separation in week one or week two for those receivers. So if the coaching staff can't make adjustments, yes, what's what we've seen going back over these last 15 games, all these stats, that can actually become a problem going forward. Uh, yes. And you have to decide, do you trust the coaching staff as one that's competent mm-hmm. enough to take its personnel and make changes? I don't know if I see it that way. I actually think if you are in a league right now, Most people are looking at Packers targets and saying, well, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. He's going to bounce back. And Randall Cobb's going to be 90 catches and 10 yards per target. He's going to be great. And maybe that happens. Maybe it does. I think it's less likely to happen than I thought even two weeks ago. I've seen enough right now where if I'm getting full value in trade, trading away Packers, I'll do it. I'll I'll, I'll get get out of some shares and let somebody else have this headache because I think this team's going to play more close games than we became accustomed to in the previous three or four years before we got to last year. I think this is kind of indicative of where this team's at right now. Right, and it's a small sample this season, but it doesn't look any different than it did last year. So I think you kind of have to consider that as well. Um, What did you think of the call? I think it was, was it early fourth quarter or late third quarter uh, where the Packers had a fourth and inches? Um, Well, actually, I think it was third and, might have been third and inches to start. And they ran James Starks? Well, they ran the fade. I think they looked for Nelson in the corner. Um, just kind of a Rodgers overthrow is kind of an, an odd play, honestly. And then on fourth down, it was the fade on fourth down. I'm going to confuse I, I thought now. The fade was third down, and they ran Starks on fourth down. Oh, and right, right, it. right. Yeah, and that's when the measurement came in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what did you think of that call? I feel like that, the obvious thing is that should have been reversed, right? You run it on third and then try to throw it on fourth. Nah, I, I don't know if the sequence of play calls is fine, but the Take fact the that points. you didn't run it with Eddie Lacy in that situation well, is yeah, an indication thing, that yeah. you're not very smart as a head coach. I've, I've always questioned Mike McCarthy as a quality coach, and I wondered how much he mm-hmm. got by on peak Aaron Rodgers just sort of carrying this team. And the more I watch them, the more I'm convinced well, you that get the- he's not a good in-game manager. The play-calling BS was bad when Tom Clements was calling plays last year, too, but also the personnel was different. Mm-hmm. I just... There's a lot of variables here right now, and if the Packers are an 8-12 to 12 range team in terms of quality as opposed to like a top 8 team, you still have to adjust for that. Like right. It's still a good team. It's still a team that's better than most, but it's not the elite mm-hmm. offense that we became accustomed to, and I think that's, that's where it's at. Would you be that surprised if Mike McCarthy isn't coaching this team come week 8? They won't fire him in season. They'll fire him after the season if they, are, if, so if they don't win the division this year. I think they fire him. I think so. I think you get the you get kind of five years of good grace after winning the Super Bowl, and I think that's kind of expired now. Somehow Jeff Fisher got fifteen years of yeah. good grace after losing a Super Bowl, but well, good for him. It's good. It's good work yeah. if he can get it. You're staring at your weekly fantasy opponent and thinking to yourself, "I would love to challenge just one of his players, not his entire team." But your fantasy sports service doesn't allow you to do that. Now you can on the all-new No Halftime app. The No Halftime app allows you to create individual challenges using players or teams. For example, you can pit Odell Beckham versus Antonio Brown, Cam Newton versus Aaron Rodgers, or even Ezekiel Elliott versus Todd Gurley. 
Creating a challenge takes seconds, and accepting challenges is even easier. No halftime challenges can be private or public and created for the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, PGA, and other sports. Visit NoHalftime.com for more information and to download the No Halftime app for your iPhone or Android device. Use promo code ROTOFF16 and receive a 100% bonus up to $25. Real money and fantasy supremacy awaits you. No halftime where the fantasy sports season never takes a break. Join today and get started. Cowboys 27, Redskins 23, Dez getting 12 targets, 7 for 102 for Dez. Uh, Cole Beasley more involved than Witten this week, but I think those two guys were going to fluctuate as that second look in the Dallas offense. What's your level of concern, though, with Zeke Elliott getting benched late for Alfred Morris? Another 20-plus carries. He's got in the end zone again. Not a bad game from him overall, but hanging on to the ball seems to be putting his job, at least his share of the backfield touches, in some question right now. Yeah, I think that was kind of a frustration move, I guess, by the Cowboys more than anything. I don't, I don't see it as being any kind of permanent, you know, situation where it's going to be Alfred Morris. But I mean, it was late enough in the game. I think they just felt confident in Alfred Morris being the veteran to, to kind of close that out. But they, they just have too much invested in Ezekiel Elliott to to sit him on the bench because of some fumble issues. We, we see this happen with a lot of rookies. Most of them end up getting it straightened out. You know, if he turns it over again next week, then maybe it becomes concerning. But I think right now the level of investment and just how much they need him to be what the you know what they thought they were getting in Ezekiel Elliott for this offense to to run without Tony Romo. Pretty nice game from Dak though. Yeah. Uh, all things considered, Cowboys getting a road win in division, nine point seven yards per attempt. He was sacked four times, uh, but he ran for a TD. So a good day if you were streaming Dez into your lineup. Now on the Washington side, uh, there seems to be some dissension in the ranks or frustration at least with Kirk Cousins as I could far see as that, yeah. how he started the season. 0-2 at home, not a good way to go, right? Because you got six home games left. you got to deal with eight road games out of the final 14. He was sacked twice, picked off once, just missed a couple open throws. I mean, that's the, I mean, the big story. The pick was bad. I don't, it was one of those just you just don't even know what he was thinking. You know, didn't seem to be really a receiver in the area. Threw it right into a defender, right in the end zone. Yeah, not a um, not, not a good look. And, and, and you could see the frustration. I think it was Garcon was, was kind of in the frame at the time and just – you know, I, mean, I don't think he wanted to direct it necessarily at Cousins, but uh, there was a little bit of obvious frustration uh, on the faces of those Washington offensive players. Matt Jones at 13 carries for 61 yards, 4.7 yards per carry and a TD. I just think Dallas's run defense isn't yeah. good. I don't think this means Matt Jones is the guy. 13-2 carry edge over Chris Thompson, though, who looked better of the two backs last week. Thompson caught three balls for 57 yards. Jordan Reed's been somewhat quiet these first two games. Five for 70. Certainly not bad, but if you paid, you know, a third round pick to get him you've been disappointed through these first two weeks Jamison Crowder six for 39 on a score Deshaun Jackson three for 40 on five targets Vernon Davis five for 51 on five targets some of this seems like play calling and some of it does seem like it's legitimately on Kirk Cousins I wasn't on him as far as going after him in that 10 to 12 range among quarterbacks he can still turn things around obviously there's a good group of weapons here but the fact that he's struggled in each of these first two games does does to me lend something to the concerns about him in that locker room because yeah. I, I don't know if he's more than a very good backup. I mean, we're obviously not privy to, to what's going on in that locker room, but it does have to worry you a little bit. Just, just even if you know, not taking into account Cousins himself, but it's, if there's a lack of confidence in your starting quarterback from your receiving core, from some of your running backs, you just have to wonder what the trickle down effect of that is. I mean, I. The, the article that I read about this this morning um, you know, in, in regards to the team kind of turning on Kirk Cousins or however you want to put it was 
there's this belief that maybe Colt McCoy would be better. I mean, there's no way Washington wow. could do that, right? Like, they could do it. I mean, they could, but right after giving him the extension? They didn't give Kirk Cousins an extension. It was a franchise well, tag. Oh, that, sorry. That's he, he, he turned down the fran- He turned right. down an extension to Not get a Not looking like a smart one. move. No, he, right now it's like the Ian Desmond. When the yeah. Nationals offered Ian Desmond like $100 million, he turned it down, had a bad year, yep. got a one-year, like $8 million contract in yeah. the Rangers. Good this year, but yep. no one listening to this Lance podcast. Lance Stevenson also baseball. pulled that move. Yeah. yeah so Never want to be mentioned in the same breath as Lance Stevenson contracts. No, I don't think you do. Uh, Giants 16, Saints 13, about half of the scoring output that was expected in this game. Uh, just one offensive touchdown. That one went to Willie Sneed. I didn't really like Sneed as much this week as I did last week against the Raiders, especially with this game being on the road, but Sneed was pretty good. Uh, Brandon Cooks held in check by the Giants. Mark Ingram had nine carries. It just didn't seem like the Saints ever really got anything going in terms of a rhythm. And if the Giants had been able to do more than just kick field goals, they would have won this game handily. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sterling Shepard, 8 for 8, 117 yards. Looks legit. Victor Cruz was productive. Odell Beckham was pretty good, just didn't score. The Giants had 417 total yards. Saints had 288. Right. Giants couldn't run it very well, which makes me wonder... Are they going to make a change at running back if Rashad Jennings misses some time and then stick to that change? Or can they become a more pass-happy team with the three weapons they've got at Eli Manning's disposal? Yeah, I mean, the Giants, this is a weird game for the Giants. They fumbled three times in the first half, uh, missed a couple field goals, and you know, like you said, just weren't really able to punch it in despite that gaudy yardage total. But I mean, this, this definitely had to be the highest discrepancy between actual score and expected score of the weekend. I, mean, I think I, it I think was. We, we talked all week about you know loving this matchup, and you know Odell Beckham is worth the ninety four hundred dollars on Fanduel, and you know eighty six yards on eight catches. Not a disastrous game by any means, but the way that this New Orleans team has has traditionally uh, defended against the Giants, specifically, and other teams that can air it out, um, you know, I, I think we expected Eli Manning to at least find the end zone, but at least. Another mark against Ben McAdoo in terms of yes. his offense, his play calling. It just doesn't seem to be firing on all cylinders, despite the fact they had 417 yards. That's, to me, more about the Saints' defense and less about the Giants' offense right now. So we'll see if yep. they're able to get anything going on the ground or if they shift away, change that balance of run versus pass as we move into Week 3. This is a weird score. The Panthers had 46 Niners 27. It's like a quiet 46 somehow for Carolina. <laughs> the quiet 46. Uh, Jonathan Stewart left this game with a hamstring injury, didn't come back, and he's not going to play in yeah, week three just at announced. least. Breaking so news. kind of a big deal. Uh, Fozzie Whitaker doing the things that many of us thought Cameron Artis Payne would do a year ago at least. Maybe after the lack of output last season, people wrote him off. I kind of did. But Fozzie Whitaker is most likely available in leagues because nobody was looking at Jonathan Stewart's backups as must-own handcuffs. How about 16 carries for 100 yards, caught three passes for 31 yards? I mean, for me, Fozzie Whitaker versus Jarek McKinnon Mm -hmm. could be a significant, like, legitimate sort of toss-up depending on the extent of Peterson's injury. Yeah, I mean, and we're going to see these teams match up next week and in week three as well. And you have to wonder, I mean, the fact that Stewart's already been ruled out, you know, six days in advance of the game. And is this going to be something that's more than a one week injury? He's obviously coming off of the foot issues from last year. So they're going to be cautious. I mean, basically, you you might be able to get Fozzie Whitaker and, and have him for two or three weeks of utility as opposed to just one. I whiffed so hard on Kelvin Benjamin. I mentioned in week one, I got tricked by the he may only play 30 to 35 snaps BS from Ron Rivera. Oh. Um, Kenny kind of doubled down on that going into week two. Yeah. How about seven for 108, two TDs? Clearly the preferred, monster, preferred guy on the outside for Cam Newton. 
Greg Olson had a big game in this one. Devin Funches also scored, but only four targets, two for 19. The 49ers for just didn't cover Greg Olson on a play. I mean, 78 of his 122 yards came on a, a wide open, no one else in the frame type of catch. Yeah, I just, I mean, I didn't think the Niners would score 27 points against no. anybody else after what too. happened I mean, last week. Cam threw a pick. They they lost three fumbles in this one. I, I don't. Did you see the Ted Ginn kickoff play? No. So I, I, this was sometime in the second half. Uh, this all kind of runs together. Um, but Carolina at the time, I believe, was up 34 to, or excuse me, 37 27. They had just they had just kicked a field goal, um, and the ensuing kickoff, or excuse me, the 49ers had just scored. 34-27. They kick off to Carolina, and Ted Ginn lets it bounce and just kind of casually you know, lets it bounce around the 10-yard line, casually goes to pick it up. 49ers defender just runs in and scoops it at the one-yard line. They're able to punch it in. So, I mean, the, the basically, it was a, one of the just stranger plays you'll ever see. Like the, you never see anyone be that casual, especially by the goal line. Um, so, I mean, it, it ended up being probably a little bit closer and a little bit more points than should have been on the board for San Francisco, but... I think Carolina's going to be fine. I mean, putting up 46 points, even though it's against San Francisco, uh, has to be encouraging after losing week one. So there was a robust slate of late afternoon games, and most of them weren't good. Texans uh, 19, Chiefs 12. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, the only offensive touchdown in this one, 7 for 113 in the score. Will Fuller over 100 yards. Lamar Miller, 25 carries. And that's the makeup of the Texans' offense that you expect in terms of target distribution and output with the exception of Miller only averaging 3.3 yards per carry but I think the Chiefs are actually pretty good against the run and the volume we're seeing Lamar Miller get is really encouraging looking forward you get matchups against like the Colts the Jags especially those two teams I think he can pile up some pretty big yardage totals in division yeah, I mean, it's exactly what we expected from Lamar Miller, which which is fine. I mean, in the 83 yards is nothing to write home about. The 3.3 yards per carry in week two is nothing great. But if he's going to be getting you know 20 to 25 carries every single week, you're not necessarily worried about whether or not he's breaking off long runs. Yeah, the other thing that's kind of bubbling, though, on the Chiefs' side of this one is that Jamal Charles is likely coming back in week three, and... Sharkandrick West, maybe he gets Ware, bumped to the bench. Know. Maybe they go three-headed monster with Ware, West, and Charles. Yeah. Uh, 57 yards on the ground for Spencer Ware on 10 carries, 6 for 61 for West. But as a pass catcher, yet again, Spencer Ware contributing, which is something we just didn't see him do last season. And no. I have to wonder, in this first game back, is it going to be a case where Charles gets more than 30 or 35% of the backfield touches and targets? Because I don't, I don't think, think so. he's still going to be less than a year removed from surgery. It's week five of last season when he got hurt. Why in week three or week four of this year would you give him more than 10 to 12 total touches? Yeah, I, I don't see why you would. I think it, maybe it's going to be week four, week five, week six until we really get to see you know what they want Jamal Charles to be in this offense, and, and it helps when you have you know Ware and West as two very capable options behind him. There's really no need at all for them to force Charles the ball or, or, or put him on the field for more snaps than he's ready for. In this week's episode of Things We Were Wrong About, Cardinals forty, Bucks seven. I thought this game would be close, would be a shootout. I mean, the Cardinals scoring forty points, not a surprise, but I thought if the Cardinals did that. The Bucks would be there with like a 34 or a 37 spot. Oh, no. Not not even oh, no. close. I mean, we saw a lot of Chris Johnson because the Cardinals had a huge lead. 16 carries for Chris Johnson, 12 for David Johnson. To me, that's not indicative of future splits. That's just, hey, David Johnson's our best running back. Let's not break him in a game where we yep. have a big lead. Uh, another good day for Larry Fitzgerald, a quiet day for John Brown, and a weird day for Michael Floyd. Two catches, eight yards, a TD on just six targets. But again, game flow... Yeah. wasn't such that Odd you could game. really look at this and 
take a lot away from an Arizona standpoint. Uh, Mike Evans scored the only TD for the Bucks in this one, six for 70 and a score. Otherwise, the pass catchers really struggled. And Doug Martin suffered a hamstring injury. We'll know more after some further tests are performed on him. Seven carries for 23 yards before his early exit. Yeah, really, Mike Evans kind of the only bright spot, I guess, from a fantasy perspective in this Tampa Bay offense. Bit of a regression for Jameis Winston uh, after after a strong week one, kind of reversing that week one line. Four picks for him, one of those being a pick six. Marcus Cooper, two interceptions for the Arizona defense. Patrick Peterson, DJ Swearinger having the other two. I, I, I mean, this is just a bad weekend for me as a football fan with with the Jags losing and you know me kind of trying to drive the Jameis hype train and having him have an outing like this. I was on board with that. I mean, I yeah. thought Jameis was going to be a top five quarterback this still year. Maybe, can, maybe he guess. still will be, but at Arizona, a spot where a top five quarterback would at least be formidable, and he, he struggled. He was not formidable. No, and losing Martin didn't help, but at the same time, he threw four picks. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not Doug that Martin's can't fault. Like that's, I mean, it's two, two weeks in a row that he's thrown a first quarter pick. I think on the first possession both times. Yeah, not a... Uh, not quite what we were looking for from um, Jameis. To all right, so what point. do we got here? Falcons, Raiders? I think that should just wrap it up, huh? No. No, no, no. We're, we're, we got to talk games. about the Chargers. I, don't, I don't, don't remember that game. Chargers 38, Swags 14. I, I don't, Closer than the score indicates. Jags were right there. Closer or further <laughs> than the score indicates? Uh, hey, you know, it was 35 nothing at one point. Um, but yeah, as the Jags do, they battled back. Blake Bortles... Whipping around two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Uh, this was the worst that I've ever seen the Jags look. Defensively, for sure. Offensively, I mean, this is pretty much the usual story offensively, I guess. But I don't think Allen Robinson had a catch until the fourth quarter. He was only targeted five times. Allen Hearns, ten targets, but only five catches. This complete disaster uh, in every phase of the game. Do you think the Jags relying so much on garbage time to pile up stats is going to lead Katie Nolan to rename her show? What would you name it? Like Jags time? No, not like after the Jags. Just naming it something oh. that the Jags can't tarnish. Oh, you don't want to be associated with the Jags? You don't want to be associated with yeah, garbage that's... time. This is what garbage time is going that's to be. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, how did Blake Bortles end up with a better... Oh, sorry. Never mind. I misread the, the uh, statistic there. I was going to say, it looked like his QBR was somehow better than Rivers, but no. 18, no, it was not. 18.5 QBR for old Blake. I, I don't like QBR because I'm not... I didn't grow up with it. Like right. You, you kind of did, maybe. So you're more familiar, bit. but I, I'm i still a you're passer rating passer guy. Rating? Yeah, I was raised on passer rating <laughs> and 2% milk. Yeah. I, I you guys are drinking I'm a skim. 2%, I was a 2% guy, too. I'm, I'm down to 1%, uh, but you know, I'm a 2% family. I think once you get north of Madison, though, in Wisconsin, they don't even sell anything less than 2% milk, and they kind of laugh wow. at you when you buy the 2%. My, my mom was raised on a farm, and she was, just said, like, oh, yeah, we would just go and drink the milk from the tanks. I think if you start doing that when you're little, you develop like resistance to the bacteria that makes normal people sick when you do that. Yes, it makes, makes you like a superhuman. milk, yeah. Right. You, you definitely have to get used to that. I saw some like spouse swap show once where the, the one family was all about eating raw foods. No. And the spouse that got swapped into that situation was having a really hard time dealing with like, hey, we're going to eat this cup of raw chicken now because <laughs> you're not used to that. But if you if you train yourself, you can actually not get sick from that. But is trading spouses still on? I don't honestly, I have no idea. I don't even know how I saw. I don't think it I've ever why. seen. It. I think I've only seen the Chappelle Show parody. What a miserable thing right that shouldn't exist uh san diego looked good and i san thought diego they would struggle really i mean i thought they'd be in trouble without keenan allen because yeah. 
they looked horrible without Keenan Allen after having a big lead at Arrowhead in week one. Danny Woodhead might have sprained his MCL in this one. Further test to come. So Melvin Gordon looks like a workhorse. 24 carries, 102 yards, and another plunge into the end zone for Melvin Gordon. He's looking like a top 10 running back right now, especially if Woodhead's going to miss some time. Travis Benjamin, 6 for 6 on targets, 115 yards, 2 TDs. Tyrell Williams, 3 for 61 and a score. Um, Antonio Gates also scored, but 3 for 15, 5 targets. Not quite the volume I expected. I thought we'd see more Gates this week and a San Diego offense that was still trying to figure out how much they wanted to use a guy like Tyrell Williams, but it seems like they're comfortable with Williams taking on at least some sort of significant role behind Travis Benjamin. Uh, Dontrell Inman was quiet. Maybe he's a cut for this week as you look to the waiver wire because he was targeted just three times, one catch for seven yards. And I don't know. Rivers throwing it 24 times might be the lowest number we'll see all year. Right, and he was brutally efficient. Yeah. 9.2 YPA after, efficient. after Jacksonville held Aaron Rodgers below six last week, I believe it was. I mean, I thought Jacksonville's defense was good, but I was wrong. The Packers passing you game isn't good. That's that's the deal. And yeah. San Diego's is good, and I think you have a this is why you have there a major problem so many, right now if you're Packer dependent. So many just questionable schematic decisions. I mean, Paul Pozlesny seemed to be stuck on Travis Benjamin. Oh, that'll over work. And over like that'll how? be fine. Yeah, like, shockingly, Travis Benjamin gets in the end zone twice, and it, it was just deep ball after deep ball, and and they were able to do all right. I think on Melvin Gordon, he, he did break off a couple long runs early, but just such a disastrous game in, in all phases. Like I said, Greg Olson called Ugh. five plays for Allen Robinson. I should say. Blake Bortles targeted Allen Robinson five times. Greg Olson ball fifty times. Right. Like if if you if. If your if your if your trees your route trees and your your play designs are so bad that Allen Robinson only gets five targets, something's wrong. Like either your game plan or your play structure is completely flawed. If you are worried about Allen Robinson right now, I don't think it's a case where you need to be. I would try to get shares where I possible. I don't know how panicky the owners in each specific league out there are. I know some are just really. They're really weird about stuff like this. They would actually trade away Allen Robinson. Nobody in my leagues would trade Allen Robinson at anything less than what they paid right now because they're expecting him to be a premier receiver this year, and I think he still will be because the defense stinks. Like The concern about Blake Bortles in the passing game for some coming into the year was that, oh, the defense is going to be better. They're not going to have as much garbage time. They are going to be overwhelmed with garbage time because their defense is not good. So if they if they lose next week uh, against Baltimore at home, Gus Bradley might be gone after the bye. They have a week five bye. They, they're home, technically home to the Colts uh, in London in week four. If that goes down poorly, I think he has to be gone. Technically home in London. He's uh, the second worst uh, record among any coaches who I think have coached at least forty games. I don't know who's worse, Ken, Ken Wisenhunt? I don't know. Wisdom's got to be up. He might not have got to forty games as a head coach. Yeah, that I'm might sure. be the, that might be the, the key is that Wisdom right, doesn't get thing, the volume. Like it's extremely rare for bad coaches to to stick around that long. Yeah, I, I, Gus does seem like a coach who will not make it through the year. He seems like he would be the greatest D three college coach or high school coach of all time. I just don't know that he's cut out for the NFL. At least as a head coach, he's twelve and thirty eight. Twelve and thirty eight is not good. It's not good. It's, it's not good at all. I, I have nothing else to say about this game. I, I don't I'm, even, I'm sorry. I don't that want to I, say anything about it. Sorry I made you relive it, but it seemed no. necessary. 
Falcons 35, Raiders 28. 17-12 carry split favoring Devontae Freeman, but Tevin Coleman scored. And Devontae Freeman didn't catch the ball. So you buy low, or is he someone that you'd actually try to sell low if you had shares because you're nervous about the way Col- Coleman's being deployed? Yeah, I mean, it, it just is a matter of how much lower can it get. I guess, you know, it, you you have to look at it as buy low, but it's, it's depressing to have to do that as early as week two. I mean, I, I think he's been so quiet these first two weeks that if I'm an owner, I, I think you got to give him a little bit more of a chance. I mean, he did have 93 yards on the ground. Well, let's just say you're Devontae Freeman owner and you kind of need some help at wide receiver. You got some sure. other back that you like. Maybe you've got like a PPR situation and you got Theo Riddick or somebody yeah. else you can play. You need, you need a receiver and the Travis Benjamin owner, offers you this morning they say hey i'll give you travis benjamin straight up for Devonte freeman fair trade right now based on where Isn't those that players are at that, that that's a legitimate question you know two weeks into the year I, right because two weeks ago that's oh, a seven six seven round difference <laughs> right, in value yeah. in some cases if, yeah if not more um no yeah, you have to think about it and like you said you know all these all these hypothetical trade scenarios are you know based on what else you have on the Team roster context but matters yeah if you, yeah if you're comfortable with what you have at running back you, you're not going to have studs necessarily behind freeman but if you have a couple guys that you like i think you got to think about it because i've got a situation right now where i've got julio mike evans and jeremy macklin willie sneed and travis benjamin right. so that's three in a flex i gotta move one of them i might yeah. just move one of the more proven guys i might try to move like macklin for a running back that i like but Talk, talk to me. I need some help in, in stake. Are you in the Stopa League? No. I, oh. no, but if you That's need to throw bad. me a bone, I'm 0-2 in stake. I've, I think I've had the lowest point totals maybe both weeks. The Sammy Watkins injury hurts. I actually have an extra receiver in the stake league, so we can work something yeah, let's out. Talk. All right, we've got one Monday night game, as per usual, on non-Week 1 Mondays. It's Eagles-Bears. We talked about it quite a bit on Friday. Nothing's changed as far as the line. It's supposed to be 23-20 Bears based on that. Just Real quick, I mean, do you expect that to hold up? Do you think the Bears come out with a win on this one? Do you think the Eagles' I pass rush can be a problem? I do. I, I Nothing against Carson Wentz, um, you know, great performance in Week 1, but I think he'll regress a little bit in Week 2. I don't think this Eagles team is all that good, and I think they benefited a lot from playing the Browns last week. So everywhere that I've had to make picks, I've picked the Bears. Am I confident in it? No, they're my, they're my number one point game uh, in my confidence pool. So nothing would really surprise me here. I think I think it ends up being... You know, relatively low scoring, like you said, 23-20 range, something around there. Um, but I'll take the Bears at home. I think I'm taking the Eagles with the points. I, I think the defense might be legit with Jim okay. Schwartz, and Jay Cutler's going to be on his back a lot in this one. It's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by NoHalftime.com. Waiver targets coming Tuesday with Jake and Eric. Have a good Monday. Your backyard's right in our backyard, which means we have hand-picked products that are right for the birds in your neighborhood, like premium bird seed, suet, birdhouses, and feeders. Stop by your local Ace and get everything you need to attract the birds you want, including Ace Wild Bird Food, on sale now. Now through Tuesday only, when you buy two 20-pound bags of wild bird food, get a third bag free, only at Ace, the helpful place. Offer valid through February 28th at participating stores.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.